It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name's Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners, my friends, and fellow CFPs, Joshua Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. As a grandparent, you want the best for your kids and your grandkids, right? I, I hope that that's true for you. One of the creative ways that we've seen some grandparents help both generations win financially is to consider helping the grandkids with college funding. We're going to share the top five ways to do that in this episode. Yeah, you get the old uh, kill two birds with one stone there. You help your kids by helping your grandkids. There you go. Yeah, that's legacy stuff right there. If you have a question, we've got a couple great ones here as well. Oh, so we've got one where someone was in the audience of another financial professional, overheard the financial professional say some things and say, hey, that doesn't seem right. Guys, is this right? We got that one coming up here. If you have a question, you can reach out to us a few different ways. You can call us or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we're there too. Just search the Wise Money Show. You can leave questions right there as well. Okay, so Brad and Jenny, they've been clients for a long time. They each make about $40,000 a year. So that puts them squarely in the middle class. We've uh, When we first started working with them, we talked to them about, hey, what are your goals? And retirement was up there. Getting out of debt, actually. Some consumer debt was the very first one. Building the emergency fund and then being able to retire. So they didn't have tons of resources. So I asked about, hey, what about college for the two kids? And they said, well, we want to help as much as we can. However, that's not a priority above us paying off debt, getting the right cash, and then someday being able to retire. So we'll help, but it's not a huge priority. Well, the oldest is now in college. And so that rubber has kind of met the road the last couple of years, and we've sort of strategized, well, how much were you able to save up? How much will that cover? How much in student loans will the son or daughter need to get? And, uh, and, and it turns out Brad's father has been saving some money as well for the, fi- for the 529 plan. And they, they suspected, but they didn't really know. Really. And so, so, so grandpa stepped in and said, um, grandpa and grandma stepped in and said, hey, We've got we've got five thousand a year that we can give towards college, and that was huge. It was it was enormous, and and Brad and Jenny were were elated. But can you imagine how the grandparents felt too? Yeah, I mean, sitting on this secret for eighteen years, or I, I don't know when it was revealed to Brad and Jenny or the the grandkids, but to be planning that far ahead and to be contributing, kind of in secret is fun when you get to do the whole big reveal. Um, you know, it's it's always interesting to me as a financial advisor, though, I, I'll hear stories of, of that from some of our clients, not about the surprise part, but about the suspicion or suspicion that maybe this is happening. And I'm always encouraging them to gently try to understand Hey, it seems like, you know, grandma, grandpa, you're, you're looking at maybe participating in this college funding is there anything that you can reveal to us because it could influence some of our planning and our preparations as well? Right. 
That's an awkward conversation to have, though, if they're kind of keeping their cards close to their, their vest. Yeah, this is, this is where I would encourage you, if you're a, a grandparent, to, first of all, get permission from your children. Because I, I know certain children that have no interest in the grandparents funding the children's education. And that might sound a little bizarre, but it, it, it's, it's important. Money, everyone thinks, well, it's, you're tempted to think everyone thinks about money the way I think about money. And the truth is no one thinks about money the way you think about money. And so when you look at, at Nick Murray is a, an author that I've enjoyed reading my entire career, and he has the five great goals of life, and one of those goals is the ability to fund in whole or large part the education of one's grandchildren. That may or may not resonate with you if you are a grandparent, but if you are, that there are there are better ways to do that than others, and you'd want to understand what those are. But then I I would also communicate that with your children, and quite possibly your grandchildren, because when you look at as as a grandparent providing money for your grandkids' education, I would not carte blanche just say, "Hey, here's the money." I. Now, again, no one thinks about money like I do. So the way I think about it, it's merit-based. All right? This is, this is going to be called the Grandparents Scholarship. Hmm. And you will, you will earn this based on um, – there's a lot of different ways to do it. It could be matching. So whatever you earn in the summer and save towards college will match it, either dollar for dollar or 50 cents on the dollar or whatever. We'll pay you a certain amount uh, per the number of – A's that you receive, we will will pay for your last year of college. Yeah. So let let uh, the parents and children get the first three years taken care of, and if there's great, still great potential and great promise after three years, um, take care of the. So there are all kinds of different creative ways as a grandparent that you can get involved. You don't you don't want to enable or create a dysfunction, but there are some pretty cool, fun ways if, you're, if you want to be creative to, if that is one of your great goals of life, to achieve it. I, you know, I don't have any kind of data on this, but what, what does your gut tell you, you guys, as you work with grandparents, how often or what, what percentage would you guess of them have this as a goal to be able to help their grandkids with college in some way? Is it a large percentage that you're seeing? Is it more of a minority? Great question. You know, we, we work with a skewed segment of the population. Uh, not not everyone has the courage to come in and meet with a financial advisor. We don't have minimums or anything like that, but it, it, but even someone to carve out the time. But So this might seem like a large number, but probably 20% of retirees, I would say. Hmm. 20, 25% of retirees are in some way either setting some money aside for grandkids for college Many of those don't even have grandkids yet. They're looking at the tax planning and they're looking at their goals saying, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to help. Probably yeah. 25%. Yeah, but you know, the interesting thing is, I mean, you, you probably say the same thing about parents because yeah. there are lots of – because I, I think about that. And in, in, to answer your question, Joshua, how many grandparents want to be involved with their grandchildren's education? I'd say that number is close to 100%. But how many grandparents are actually doing something about it? I think my experience would would match up to what 
what Mike's is doing. I mean, you you have to have a pretty powerful vision. And then I believe you 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 have to have clarity, confidence, and creativity. Mm-hmm. And that is what your certified financial planner can provide because they can say, hey, look, this is the impact on your financial life if you choose to do this. And some grandparents I've seen are able to do that with no potential sacrifice to their financial plan whatsoever. I've seen some grandparents who are willing, I've seen some grandparents that are working because they, because they love to work and they love their family and they, and their grandkids. And they're using some of that money to help their grandkids go through college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Every family has a different um, priority or a value in, in this area. And And that's why, you know, the Nick Murray quote was interesting to me because I wondered, well, how many people? Is that a very universal thing? I've I've had many grandparents look me in the eye and say, I have zero desire to help my grandkids. (laughs) And I I wasn't proposing it. I was just asking. Thanks a lot, Harold. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, their attitude is, hey, I educated my kids. Now it's my kids' job to educate their own. And, uh, and that's fine. I mean, that's just their value, their principle that they operate off of. I've even seen some grandparents who have no desire until they look their first grandchild in the eyes in the hospital room for the first time. And now all of a sudden they're inspired mm-hmm. and they want to get started early, even if it's something small. So if you want to get started early, how, how do you do it? What are the best ways? I don't know. I, 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 I liked hearing that match earnings. I just feel like, and I've heard you say that before, Kevin, but I feel as though where that lands right now in our society, that just has a better sound to it. Um, Matching earnings paying for the fourth year of college. I remember when we had a client that we were working with, and then you find out that grandchild's going to Notre Dame, and you're like, (laughs) 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 I didn't really. uh, Get to work, Grandpa. Yeah, just just kidding. (laughs) So there's a few creative ways. I agree with you, Kevin. Clarity, confidence, and creativity. We're going to talk to you about the best ways, the five best ways, if you're a grandparent, and we're not pushing you, if this doesn't line up with your values, that's fine. But if it does and you want to help, what are the five best ways to help your grandkids get educated? So we've got that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. As a grandparent, do you do you want to participate in educating your grandkids? Is that a legacy that you'd like to leave? If so, what are the five best ways to do that? That's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike. Here with me in the KF2 studios, Kevin and Josh. I want to say thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. And then also, if you want to stay up to date on all Wise Money content, you can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, where there are two, just search the Wise Money Show. And I'd subscribe to it there as well, just to stay up to date on everything we're pushing out. Okay, we're talking about, we're starting off this show before listener questions about if you as a grandparent want to help your grandkids with college we already acknowledged that's sort of a double whammy gift because you're helping your kids by helping your grandkids and that's why the term legacy is so often associated with with um with college planning so let's get into it what are the five best ways best ways to do it 
The first recommendation is to rethink your gifting strategy for your grandkids. And let me tell you a little bit more about what I mean. When there's a birthday, when there's a Christmas, when there's a special event and your kids are young, your grandkids are young, that's um, it's toys or it might turn into gift cards. It's something tangible. Consider attaching an intangible college gift to every gift during those special occasions. Um, whether you're setting this money aside and just telling parents about it or maybe make it tangible by saying, you know, I've put $50, here's a gift for $50, and I've put $50 into a 529 plan for you, something like that. That's an interesting idea. I've always, um, so this is a parent speaking here. Um, I've looked at the gifts that my kids get showered with at birthdays and Christmas, and I'm grateful for the gesture as a parent. I also think wow, that's going to be just sitting on their bedroom floor and we're going to be begging them to pick it up every single day for the next <laughs> three months until it it's broken or lost or thrown away or something. And and I often think, this is being way too practical, why, why not just give something that will appreciate in value over time and help them down the road when it really matters? Like Legos. Yeah, exactly. Those do go up in value, they? Don't do. They do. Um, but I, then I, then I uh, also ask myself, well, would I be that grandparent who's willing to forego a moment of joy in giving a, a fun gift and instead say, I'm giving the long-term gift? But what you just said is combining them. Exactly. That's it's interesting. Not, it's not either or. It's both. And I actually, um, I, I, I'm the benefactor of this. My, my folks say, um, here's for Carrington, Kuiper, Easton, you know, this is what... Um, we're getting for them. It's approximately this value. And we're matching that by here's something to go into their college account. And I just have appreciated that. And I've seen a lot of clients do that as well. So, so the, the birthday or the Christmas is just the trigger or the reminder that they want to give. Yep. But think about the, the life lesson that you'll be able to share someday with Carrington when she's ready to go to school. And she's got hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars built up in this education account. And she can't for the life of her remember any of those toys that she got back when she was four or five. Yeah, right. That's right. So yeah. uh, what, what, a, what a fantastic lesson. So connected to this one is, is well, you've got to, if you're going to give that gift, you've got to do something with it. And so the, the second way that grandparents can help with college is to set up their own 529 plan and save into it for the grandchild. And this kind of ties in actually to the first one. Right. Because that gift, so here's the interesting thing. You've got a little bit of a fork in the road here. So that gift can either be, um, hey, listen, I've put money in a 529 plan that I own for the benefit of your child, Mm -hmm. or here's money for you to put money into the 529 plan that you own for the benefit of your child. What's the difference and why? Well, there's the big difference, especially in the state of Indiana, because I can get a 20% credit on everything that I put into my 529 plan up to $5,000. So uh, if I put in up to $5,000, I can get a credit of up to $1,000. So... I've seen scenarios where parents are saying, hey, listen, I want to do some gifting. I want to do some ongoing gifting, and what can I gift? 
what have you. And I say, well, are your children currently funding a 529 plan? And they say no. And I say, well, you can gift them 5000 and have them put that in the 529 plan. That'll get them $1,000 on their tax return. So people, people think, well, okay, could it, so if the husband puts in five and the wife puts in five, can we get each get a credit? No, it's, it's, it's one credit per tax return. So grandparents can gift children 5000 The children put that in, get the 1000 bucks on their tax return. Grandparents can then put 5000 in a 529 plan that they own themselves and get a $1,000 credit themselves as well. Yeah. And a lot of times people say, well, what if it doesn't, it doesn't get used for college? I, I have seen the, the best uses of 529 plan money. It's a good place, and it's really a good place to have money when you die. So if you say, I might not get through all of my money in my lifetime, then that's a good place to be tucking money on an ongoing basis and to have it when you die. Well, one of the nice features about a 529 plan is, yes, every 529 plan has an owner or custodian who's the legal owner of the the, uh, account, but then you have a beneficiary that you name on it. And that beneficiary can be changed once a year as well. So if you start out with uh, a 529 plan for your oldest grandchild, and that oldest grandchild doesn't end up needing the money because they get a full ride or that that's kind of the dream come true for for many folks. You can always roll it down to uh, one of their siblings or a cousin, keep it in the family, and that money can eventually get used up if you plan it right. That's right. There is some creativity you might want to consider as a grandparent having the 529 plan when the child is about to go off to school, Josh, you talked about that a few uh, a few shows ago about possibly transferring the ownership of that into the parent's name so that it's if if you're trying to maximize financial aid, but so many people financial aid is just a barrage of loans that you could get. So that that might matter, that might not. But five twenty nine plan, big, big tax planning strategy. Yeah. So my son Joshua was born in the year two thousand. He was, and he was born in February, and my dad said, hey, I want to do something. And so he set up a plan to do f- just 50 bucks a month. And a- originally I said, okay, Dad, here's what makes sense. Let's just – we don't really care what the market's going to do, so let's put this into Invesco technology because Invesco technology in 1999 returned 120%. <laughs> That's it? And I thought <laughs> – all right, if Invesco technology only does half what it did last year, <laughs> we'll be fine. Now, I, th- I, I don't know where Invesco technology ended up in 2000, maybe down 30%. But the nice thing is, is if a grandparent does some sort of systematic investing over, um, over the 19 years, I think that's totaled up to about 18 grand. So, I mean, it, That's awesome. and you yep. think, well, that, that will pay for the books for the first semester. <laughs> you think about that, though. In 2000, if that's when your dad started a $50 a month contribution, mm-hmm. the first three years of Joshua's life, that account only lost money. Yes. And yet if he kept on contributing, he kept buying at lower and lower or hear, hear me say better and better prices along the way. Mm-hmm. And the upswing on the other side of that, when we came into 2003 and we were in recovery mode for the next five years, um, how, how fantastic is that growth story? 18 grand, you said it's been built up. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, there were, there, were, there were 
two, two. There were two times there when, when as a grandparent, you were thinking, I'm trying to help, not hurt. And I've, I'm putting this money in, losing money. Oh, actually, I'm buying shares. It's going up. That's great. Okay, no, I just lost a whole bunch of money. It's gone down half its value. I can't ever educate my grandkids on this. This was a huge mistake. And if you've had the guts, the discipline to stay with it, then you've very much been rewarded. That's how you get to 18000 from 50 bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah, a- absolutely. Great story. There's, there's a couple other ways. My favorite I've already mentioned is, uh, is number five. My grandparents played an enormous role in my education. And um, I will share a little bit of that story. It really ties into to principle number five. Plus, you got a couple of great questions um, from listeners of the show, fans of the show that we're going to hit. So um, we've got numbers three, four, and five creative ways to uh, for grandparents to help with college and then listener questions. That and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. As a grandparent, do you have in mind leaving a legacy for your family? And and does that maybe involve helping some of your grandkids with college? So we're talking about the best ways to do that. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks so much for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett, and her Inspired Homes team of realtors for making the Wise Money Show possible. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. If you aren't familiar with the YouTube channel, I'd encourage you to find us there. Go to YouTube, just search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications, and then and then smash that like button and leave comments as well. Any comments you leave, we will get back to you. Appreciate that. All right. We are in the second half of the kind of the headliner for today, which is as a grandparent, if you have a goal of helping to educate your grandkids, what are the most creative ways to do it? We've talked about some practical, practical ones, talked about some creative ones, Uh, uh, matching earnings, paying for the fourth year, just paying for books. They are just outrageously expensive. So so saying, hey, I've got that covered. You don't need to stress out about it. Um, Those are some good ideas. We left off about the 529 plan a huge tax planning tool for grandparents and for parents. We're going to be talking more about that. But uh, the third way to help grandkids with college is instead of saving money and setting money aside, it could just be, hey, they're in school. Some uh, They just got an invoice. I'm going to pay the school directly. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often, does it? No. Can, can I confess <laughs> to you that I kind of dreamed that this might happen while I was in college? I, I have I, I have clients that's, that tell me they still don't know who paid for their college. It really? was gifted. Yeah. Wow. See, you remember reading uh, the book uh, Great Expectations in high school? That no, was like I a, don't. You don't? No. Uh, it's, I don't want to ruin it for you then, but... It's basically about this kid who's... <laughs> you're not ruining it. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> Trust me, you're not ruining it. I don't know. It, it's about this kid who has a benefactor, and he thinks it's one person, but it turns out to be someone else, and so, someone's just feeding money to him, and he doesn't even know where it's coming from or why. And uh, I, I used to think in college, is it possible that someone else could just kind of cover this bill for me? But it can be done. Yeah. Some grandparents actually do show up 
write a check to the school, may or may not tell their grandkids. But that's interesting that you know someone yep. who the whole thing was paid for. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so the there are a few tricks with this. You know, it has to be the the payments have to be made directly to a qualifying education uh, educational organization, and it's for tuition only, not for room and board or other things. And it, there are some, and it, it, we're probably not going to get into this, but it, there are some. Technically, you could make a case there are some tax, uh, some tax benefits. I don't really, I wouldn't mm-hmm. call it that. But um, if you are gifting tons and tons of money, there could be a little tax benefit there. Just, just be aware, this isn't a a charitable donation, though. <laughs> right. So, no, you are not going to deduct this on your on your tax return. That can be confusing, though. So if I pay the money directly to a nonprofit, I should be able to claim it because it's a nonprofit. Yeah, but you're receiving benefit. You're, you're, you, the, right. the grandchild is receiving a benefit, yep. so there's no charitable deduction. And it may, it may result in a reduction in the student's eligibility for need-based financial aid. So yeah. just be aware of there's um, – t- yeah, every – seems like for every gimme, there's a gotcha. So just watch out. So the fourth one, the fourth way that grandparents can help tremendously in, in um, educating the, the grandkids is similar to, I, I haven't seen it that often, and it's similar to this. It's just on the other side of college. So um, grandchild has gone through college, has amassed some student loans, and and then you want to step in and say, hey, I, I will pay one of these off for you, or I'll pay 5000 towards your student loan. I'll give you some money and pay it directly onto that loan so that, um, so that you have less debt. I think we might be going into a phase where, where grandparents might want to consider this more and more just because of uh, the significant size of the student loan and the issues. The reason why I'd consider it is, is if you put this on the other side of college – then it still gives the grandchild ownership over college. You know, if, if, you, if they knew that you were paying directly to the school, they might not get that summer job. They might not work quite as hard because you're making that contribution directly there. If, if, if they feel the weight of, nope, I'm responsible, and I've got these loans, I'll figure out a way, and then you make a donation or, or, or help them cover that student loan after college, that could be a huge gift. That's one of the reasons why um, many parents take this approach too. They let their kids take out a loan. Maybe they're not quite in a position to be able to help with college the way they want to right now. Maybe they're still paying off a mortgage or something like that. But then down the road, something changes in their financial life and they suddenly have the ability to help. Uh, Maybe they received an inheritance or maybe they they did pay off that mortgage. There's nothing saying that you have to help with college planning on the front end or even during the college years. You could help wipe out the loan after it. And I've seen some grandparents who, while their grandkids were going through college, it was not a priority for them. It, it wasn't a value. They were early in their own retirement, so they didn't know if they even really had the financial capacity to help their grandkids. And now, you know, 15, maybe 20 years into retirement, they're realizing, boy, I, I actually have more than I'm going to end up needing. Mm-hmm. And some of this money could be used to bless a future generation while I still get to see it happen yep. and see the benefits of it in their life. So, you know, uh, helping kids with uh, college loans down the road is is an amazing way to uh, to support them. And that really could tie back to the very first one, 
where we were talking about grandparents for birthdays yeah. and Christmas giving gifts that go into a an educational fund. Um, this might be the time to say, hey, instead of giving you a gift, I'm going to pay this money directly onto your student loan and uh, help you reduce that student loan debt. The, the last way, the fifth way that grandparents can help with college cannot be understated. It's going to feel soft. It really cannot be understated. When I was going into seventh grade, I, um, I, I met a certain challenge, and the challenge was to do this certain work, and you'll get 500 bucks this summer. And I did that. And I, was, I told my grandpa about it. He knew. And um, he was born in 1921, childhood Great Depression. And as soon as I got that check, he said, let's go put it in a CD. And he took me to the bank and he sat me down. This is something I always loved about my grandfather is even as a kid, he put me in position where I needed to talk to the adult and I needed to act responsible from the moment I was in travel hockey teams asking for donations, he would set the, the you know, hey, you should talk to this person, but he'd always put me in the responsible seat. Hmm. So he brought me to the bank and said, and just sat there and said, okay, Mike, t- tell them you want a CD. And so, and he helped me get that set up and we would talk about college and he would talk about hard work and he would talk about the values of working and avoiding debt and so on. So my grandpa helped instill to me that I needed to go on and get an education. He didn't go to college and he worked on the line and did a lot of hard labor and the value of saving and avoiding debt. And so really this fifth way that grandparents help is to is to just educate their kids about money and about real life, maybe about their careers and what they experienced. Um, that cannot be understated, mm-hmm. but that is such an enormous gift towards your grandchild's education. You know what? I would what an amazing story and an amazing legacy that your grandparents have left, and and you've shared more of those types of stories, kind of privately. Um, but you don't have to be a grandparent to be able to make that investment into a child's future to help change their thinking or give them a better paradigm for how they approach. Not, not only their financial life, but just their life in general. And so whether you're a parent today or a grandparent who wants a better future for their kids, yeah, there's some creative ways that you can get involved. But at the very least, make sure you're making an investment in their thinking. Yeah, That's, that's really the legacy that you're going to carry with you forever, right? Yeah. I, I, would, I look back to my grandpa Wittenbach and how he had eight – 18 grandchildren, and each of us thought that we were his favorite. <laughs> and he taught us about hard work and about uh, loving a family and leading a family. And um, that those are the that's the stuff that sticks to your ribs. And colleges aren't teaching that. And I would tell you that is what real life's about. You need to get that education. So. All right. I hope that helps you take your next wise step towards helping grandkids with college. We've got a great question from Leah from Elkhart coming up. That and more on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, a great way to catch this episode and all others is on podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. Just search The Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it, and I'd, I'd ask you to do me a favor, and it's not just for us. It's for others as well. Rate the show and leave a comment as well. That helps other people find us and find um, content about wise financial principles. Thank you very much. We're transitioning into questions from fans of the show. The first one, oh, my goodness, from Leah from Elkhart. Great question. Great comment. Here's what she said. I was in an audience recently, and the speaker said they were a financial advisor from an insurance company, very well-known insurance company, and they said that one of the best places that you can put your emergency fund is in a permanent life insurance policy because you can always borrow the money back out of it if you ever needed it. It just didn't seem quite right to me. What do you guys think? <laughs> Let me guess, Leah. Uh, were you at Ruth's, Chris? <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I think Kevin's alluding to the concern that, you know, if if um, this is advice coming from someone who gets paid, who who earns their living by selling certain financial products that pay a nice commission and uh, maybe are an appropriate tool at times, when when that appropriate tool starts becoming the go-to um, option for all kinds of different uh, financial questions or problems, sometimes the tool gets overused or misused. And permanent life insurance is is a good example of this. Uh, To to state, and I I don't, we weren't in the audience, so I don't know the the tone that was used or anything. Maybe this was just an idea, but the way you framed it was that this was one of the best places to put emergency fund money. that implies that it's almost a universal idea that everyone should have permanent life insurance. So everyone should have this policy in place, and it uh, it, it is a cash value building account. It's you're you're buying life insurance, but it's building up kind of a uh, an investment component to it. And uh, s- some people out there, financial professionals believe that everyone should have permanent life insurance. And that's just not the philosophy that um, we believe. Uh, We personally think that permanent life insurance only applies if you have a permanent need. And most people don't have a permanent life insurance need because you don't have a disabled son or daughter maybe who um, will will need some sort of uh, financial uh, resources created at your death, even if your death comes at age 90 someday. Yeah. Most people will eventually get themselves to a, a place financially where they don't need the life insurance. So if not everyone is going to have a permanent life insurance policy, then a, a, a permanent policy is not the ideal place to put an emergency fund. It, it needs to be something that is accessible to, to everyone, something that is liquid and earning a fair rate of return. It may not be the best rate of return that you could earn, because usually the higher the rate of return, the more risk that you're accepting. And emergency fund money should not be put at risk, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, is it, when's the last emergency that you had? And 
were you able to plan ahead for it? Like <laughs> when it was an emergency, were you able to say, oh, okay, I'll deal with this in three months? Right. No, no, it was an emergency. Right. How easy is it to get money out of a permanent life insurance policy? I mean, you can. That's true. It's, it's, a, it's a pain in the neck. <laughs> and it's likely that um, there's something called direct recognition and this is the thing. The life insurance industry has set things up so that there's really no way to get there from here. So direct recognition means if I borrow money against the cash value in my policy, I go to a different dividend scale. Yep. So if I if I have a policy with a big um, mutual company, um, you, you know, somewhere in the Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I might, I, I, I might, once I borrowed that money, I might go to a different dividend scale. Here's the problem. As a consumer, th- number one, I like those commercials. Some of my favorite, you've heard me say this before, some of my favorite commercials are insurance commercials. I mean, they're stinking hilarious. This one in particular, not known for hilarious commercials, but just good. I mean, you just look at them and you're like, whoa. I mean, they've got their act together. And then you hear someone talk about playing on emotions, playing on your emotions, and you would think, well, of course, that's what, yeah, that's what you should do. Yeah, but your financial life needs to be based on principles. And you've heard me talk about the rules or the principles with an emergency fund, and it's got to be FDIC insured. It's got to, so you can't be taking risk with this money. It's got to be completely liquid in getting, possibly getting the money out in three to six months is not liquid. And then I would argue it needs to be free. I think about this life insurance policy <laughs> and, and okay, even if you said that's a great place for my emergency fund, did they say great place for emergency fund and then a whole bunch of other cash flow along the way? Or was it just a single funded policy? I, I don't, I don't, I don't really get it, but yeah. it's got to be free. And, and after that, go get that competitive interest rate. The way I say, get the best stinking interest rate you can find. But it's got to meet those three pillars. Right. So so when you think about the, the question is, is a permanent policy right for me and is it a good idea? Permanent insurance is a tool. So it can be for the right person in the right situation, the right idea. If I, if I have a special needs child and I'm trying to endow something to make sure that there, no matter what happens in my lifetime, there'll be money left over to fund this, or I'm trying to fund something else at my death, a permanent policy might make some sense. If I've got a ton, a ton, a ton of cash and I can fully fund my retirement plan at work, I can fully fund uh, Roth IRAs, my HSA, my 529, a number of other things. And have money coming out my ears. And right. I'm really healthy. Yeah. Oh, Because yeah, right. life insurance is a fabulous deal if you're really healthy. Can be, yeah. So if, if, if you can check all of those boxes, that might be a tool that you would consider to do some of the heavy lifting that you need to do. You know, I'm sure that uh, part of the rationale behind recommending this permanent life insurance policy as a place to park some emergency fund money 
is just looking at whatever the interest rate is on the cash value. Maybe it is better than what you can earn in the bank. But that shouldn't be a temptation to lure you into an investment or a pool of money that is, it's not easy to get liquid. It's not easily accessible, which doesn't satisfy one of the requirements that Mike was just saying. But it also just gets you thinking the wrong way about your emergency fund as well. Because, you know, there's there's other folks out there that would have a similar question. Maybe it's not a life insurance policy that you would throw your emergency fund in. There's some who say, well, why don't you invest it in a mutual fund? Do, do you know, do you know that banks and credit unions, and if you're, you know, there's some great folks out there, but the investment professionals there usually screen by looking at everyone's bank accounts and saying, who has more than this in their bank accounts? Let's call them and see if they should be investing. That's right. right. And and what they may be proposing to you is that you get it into some sort of a mutual fund that is fluctuating with the market, right? It gives you the potential for some more long-term growth, but that is not the purpose of your emergency fund. It's to be accessible and keep you out of trouble, keep you from living in crisis mode. And what if the event that would threaten your financial life or cause you to need to tap into your emergency fund also brings with it a major drop in the markets? Right. You not only lose your job, but also the markets are down and your that mutual fund that you put the money into actually falls in value at the time that you need it most. So you finally need this buffer of three to six months to try to find the next job. And it's not three to six months, it's one to three months that's available because the market went down. Here's the here's the big idea. The, the thing that gets me so pumped up about this is is as a as a consumer, you just can't tell. I mean, the commercials look great. That's a big company name. They must be doing something right. And this kind of this makes sense emotionally. How do you know? Certified financial planner, comprehensive financial planning. Does it fit? Does it bring synergy to your entire financial life? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't test, if it doesn't hold that water, then it's not going to make sense. Your finance, your certified financial planner would never, would never talk you into that. So, all right, great, great question there, Lee. I appreciate that. All right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.